right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos a la No Laying Up podcast, the Mexico Open at Vidanta. Uh, Sally here with my guys, the Carter brothers, the Schuster brothers, Neil Schuster. Hello, Neil. Bienvenidos. Ah, uh, hola. Por supuesto. Que ridículo. So that was good stuff, man. I didn't see that one coming. I did not see that one coming. You were like, hold on. You, you kind of you started this off on a bit of a pause there. I honestly like forgot this was even in mexico like the, I, this is such a far cry from the uh the mexico championship that we uh love know and love at chapultepec uh that actually had a little bit of mexican culture in it versus this you know resort play but we'll we'll get there tc is here after a couple weeks off hello mr tc uh uh hola hola mi amigos uh it was it was funny to yeah i was tuning in various points this week seeing uh todd lewis put his vidanta vallarta uh, you know, like the extra pronunciation there, you got the, the ski lift gondola in the back of their golf, uh, golf channel, golf central set there. Just a, what a weird, weird event. Truly. Uh, this episode is brought to you by our friends at title is the number one ball in golf and the choice of this week's champions on both the PGA tour and the LPGA tour, your newest PGA tour winner, Jake Knapp made it seven wins for the Titleist golf ball. Uh, players through the first eight weeks of 2024 with his two-shot victory in Mexico. He gained more than 11 and a half shots on the field. T to green with his Pro V1 left dot golf ball, almost nine of those coming on approach shots. Over on the LPGA Tour, Patty tavitz Haneket remained dialed with her Pro V1X. She had over 80% of her greens in regulation in Thailand, making it back-to-back victories uh, the last two weeks on the LET and LPGA Tour. And if you haven't noticed, TC, Patty's got the title of staff bag now. She's also gaming a TSR2 driver, blended set of T200 and T100 irons, and three new Vokey SM10 wedges. Uh, more than 70% of competitors on both the PGA and LPGA tours this week played a Titleist golf ball that includes six of the top seven in Mexico and every player in the top eight in Thailand. The overwhelming majority of the world's best put their trust in the performance, quality, and consistency of Titleist. Head over to Titleist.com to start the fitting process and find out which Pro V1 is right for you. Guys, let me uh, just get organized here. Let me check my script. The Mexico Open at Vedanta was a great golf tournament. I really enjoy the PGA Tour. I am saying this under my own free will. The best golfers in the world play weekly on the PGA Tour. The fans were really into it. <laughs> it takes a lot. It really takes a lot to have a weekend to yourself without a lot of sports going on. We're post-football season and then have this much of a stinker. We'll, we'll get to that. I don't mean to throw Jake Knapp's win. Uh, we'll, we'll at least start with the positives that come. I think we can separate out. Like Yes, totally. Cool, cool character. We need more Jake Knapps out there. Proud of him for winning. He's a, like, you know, just all the positive there. Like, both things can be true, right? Like, the the macro is that this event fucking stinks. And the micro is that, you know, yeah, props to Jake Knapp. It's nap time. We're going to get beat <laughs> over the head with nap time. But I, I'm a big fan. Uh, kind of come came busting onto my radar screen this week. You know, I, I I followed a little bit along a little bit with the Corn Ferry qualifying and and getting his tour card, but I mean he's a stud and he seems like he's got some personality and we need more of that on the PGA Tour. So 
Uh, Saul, I do want to give you a shout out. Uh, I think you had my favorite Slack comment of the week, which was Jake Knapp looks like he should open for country music sensation Eric Cole. That one made me chuckle, and I, I just want to call that out because that's fantastic. He does look like a bad boy country music star. So he, Eric Cole, Jake Knapp, they're taking over, baby. They might play the 3M Open Festival with, uh, you know, fellow colleagues Trace Crow, <laughs> maybe Chaz, old school. You know, bad boy. It was a chess feature group this week. <laughs> I hope people find this funny because I I don't know why I find it. It's one of my favorite ongoing bits is uh, the the golfers whose names sounds like they could be country musicians. But Jake Knapp definitely fits. And he also looks exactly like Jake Owen, especially from like a side For profile sure. with, with the long hair uh, as well. Really, really crazy swing speed uh, off of just a total. You know, he got the Fred Couples treatment in the side by side. Um, it reminded me a lot of Cam Champ. That was the name that kept coming to mind in terms of just crazy ball speed where it looks like there's more in the tank and it looks like he's not even dialing up completely. But guys, calling a spade a spade, that was some bad golf today all around, both him and Sammy Valamaki. Uh, Sammy came out hot. He, he made a little run at it. If you didn't happen to catch this, uh, which I'm guessing uh, is, everyone listening to this did not watch the Mexico Open, but uh, he uh, Jake Knapp started the day with a four-shot lead over Sammy Valamaki. Uh, but he bogeyed the first and then duck hooked one into the water on the third. The lead was very quickly trimmed. To one. It was a horrific golf shot. Valamaki stuffed it to six feet on the drivable par four seventh, made the eagle briefly take the lead. Nat matched him with a birdie. Uh, and they were tied up with 11 holes to go. Nat made six straight pars uh, after that before making a birdie finally on the par five 14th. He was one for 11 in fairways to that point. Valamaki, though, was not the same after that eagle. He made bogeys on 10 and 13. Uh, he slipped in a birdie there on 12. Well, in the par five, but the bad golf just continued. He he parred in to finish at 17 under. Nap hit two total fairways, but managed to shoot a bogey free one under 35 on the back to win uh, by two shots. So it was it was it, greasy. It was, it was very you know, greasy. He was he was getting up and down from a lot of places. Uh, it was very bomb and gougy. It, it, it's just, I you know I don't know. It, <laughs> Balamaki, <laughs> I don't know. It was well, just, here, here, I'll point a couple things out for so you, TC. Bad. Uh, one, I love. I'm with you. So I love Nap's swing. I really it speaks to me when he sets up way left and just hits that that power fade. It, it kind of you you called out Cam Champ. I was kind of feeling Bubba with how long his backswing is and the way he kind of opens his stance up and and works the ball left to right. It's kind of like the mirror image of Bubba for me. Uh, but I really like his swing, and I and I liked watching him play golf. I didn't think the golf was very good. He didn't play very well today, but over the course of the week, um, I, I hope he, you know, I hope he shows up the rest of the season because that's great. And then you compare that. I thought it was a great comparison with Valamaki, who's kind of got that Vogel, you know, my guy Vogelbach on the on the Met former <laughs> Met. You know, maybe it's the name that's making me think of it. But you know, a little dumpy, but you know, just doing big things, and uh, you know, it's kind Valimaki's of a, a, a good unit. juxtaposition there. I, I don't know why. Maybe I'm confusing with Kaye Samuja, but I, I I don't think I was familiar with with uh, uh, Sammy's uh, his, his aesthetic. I just pictured him as like a fit, you know, kind of smaller, diminutive Finnish guy. I'm sure I did know what he looked like, but I was just, when he came up on screen this week, I was like, who's that? Oh, that's Sammy Valamaki? Like, did not have... You can't, you can't I, stereotype the Finns, baby. I did not have that in my uh, in my Rolodex there of, of what Sammy Valamaki looked like. But Sam, Sammy Valamaki's not, not walking through that door. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the 2020 DP World Tour Rookie of the Year. Uh, somebody who's been on my shortlist for European Ryder Cup teams for quite a short few years. Shut up, DC. Shut up, DC. That's, all, that's outrageous. 
Guys, my, TC's staff, his analytics guys have been calling out Valamaki. But they've been highlighting him for TC in his, his scouting reports week over week uh, in the fall. John, Sorry, do you have a? I mean, do you have an apology though? Yeah, we got that question that came in. Uh, where is that one? Sorry, I want to give Parpa credit here. Greg David ninety four was will Sally apologize for years of European tour slander given the hot start uh, the Strategic Alliance ten are off to uh, this season. Uh, yeah, I will. Com- tour. I will completely apologize. Uh, you know, the seven years of information that uh, since I virtually debuted that take throws out the window from just a few starts. Uh, no, I, listen, this is a great great thing i think for uh the pga tour dp world tour alliance if you will kind of getting uh these top guys graduated onto the pga tour playing golf uh on the most competitive tour in the world and getting great results is a great endorsement of the dp world tour product uh good representation of it and it's obviously a great success story for a lot of them making a lot more money uh getting a lot more owgr points and and announcing themselves on a much grander stage than is provided on the dp world tour that's just the reality of the situation i don't think uh, John Huggins suite of on, well, something along the lines of reevaluating the way the DP World Tour players are judged up against the PGA Tour. Going to go ahead and disagree with that. I mean, uh, Jake Knapp's a graduate from the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, 29 years old and edged out Valamaki. I don't think we're going to need to reevaluate how the Corn Ferry Tour players stack up against the PGA Tour players after this one. But no, it is not. Uh, it does not change a lot other than to say, like, I, I think this is a success, uh, an opportunity that Liv has provided in terms of you know, gaps in the PGA tour membership that are getting filled in with DP world tour members, which is a good thing. Yes. And that's well said, Sally. I think the, uh, it's also a commentary on how much the depth of the PGA tour has been neutered yes. by the departures to live as well, just as much as it is a commentary on that now. And it's good because it, it's shut up some of the mules and some of the like really, really just bitchy veterans who are complaining <laughs> about guys from that tour carpet bagging their way onto the PGA tour. Correct. That was, I, I hated that from, from the jump, despite my obvious disdain for all things, DP world tour, <laughs> as, uh, as you like to highlight at any given opportunity and Australia, you hate Australia too. Yeah. I forgot about that. I do. I, do, yeah. I hate Australia. Um, basically anything that isn't the U S of a baby. Lord Benny asked the question, would Naps win, which is a legitimate accomplishment for a KFT grad be less derided if the tour wasn't coming off a hugely underwhelming West coast swing? I think this is a good point, and I put this in there because there's room for this in golf. I mean, we're kind of down just because the start to the whole golf season has been down, and I think that's a really good point to say. Like, This is kind of why you tune into a lower-tier event. Like, At least this event is pretty honest with itself. There's no one mistaking this event for anything, even like a medium-tier event, and there's something interesting for hardcore golf fans that comes out of these smaller events. Like, If the golf was good today, I'd probably be in a lot you know, more energetic mood to, to talk about that tournament, but it doesn't mean it's not you know, there's still something about what I like about pro golf captured within this event, even if it, you know, is a bit of a stinker. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I know you guys talked about it on the live show last week too. It's just been night and day, almost a lot of it, bad luck, but maybe some, maybe some reaping going on of, of a tough start to the year for the tour. So yeah, it does. I think you do have to view it through that lens of like, there just hasn't been a lot of electricity leading up to this event. So this is just another, uh, kind of brick on the uh on the foundation here and it's it's not the the house isn't looking great uh as we're as we're building this season yeah it's super interesting because i think there's a there's a weird juxtaposition going on between you've got a lot of these guys struggling to get into the week-to-week events too um it seems like more like you take away the fall season right or or the fall wraparound season a bunch of the guys that have 
Corn Ferry, like your status from the Corn Ferry tour on the PGA tour this year, have struggled to get into events. And then, but also some of these guys are actually winning as well. It's a, it's a, it, you know, like it's, it's kind of dichotomous, I think, but um, yeah, like I think overall, yes, context wise, it, it matters immensely. Like, I think we're being much harder on this event than we would have otherwise, but also John Rahman won this event last year. Two years right? ago. Like a big, third, big tone one last year. Come oh, on. Big dog. tone one last year. Okay. Come on. Yeah, come on, TC. <laughs> that's a big tone. There will be no big tone. Come on. That's where that's that's where he coined yeah. the name Mule Skinner so, last year. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm struggling just with because like I'm coming off a decade plus of loving opposite field events and them adding maybe some context to the season or maybe a chance for these guys to get, but I feel like there's more of these events than ever now right they've 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 differentiated the you know however many signature events what what is it 12 or 13 or 16 of those and so and then you know solid to your point of this tournament you know nobody's pretending it's even a like a medium tier event it still gets 500 fedex cup points yeah. to the winner right so there's no like you know i was talking to somebody on twitter earlier about like all right well this is an atp 250 event you know but it's getting atp 500 points Right. And they're like, it, it definitely needs to be more tiered out or like, this is, this is more similar to a corn fairy tour event than it is a PGA tour event. And so I think there's eight signature events, TC plus the four majors, plus the players, plus the three playoff events, I think is just to, just okay. to clarify that. So 16 is, I think is how you got to that number, but just to clarify okay. for, for the audience there. But there was a, a comment here that came, that said uh, from golf enthusiast fives that Andy from fried egg suggested events like this shouldn't be called PGA tour events, not in a vicious way, but still should there be a formalized slash rebranded tier between KFT and signature events called something else. We've been talking about that for years in terms of just like everything getting blended and and distilled, like dumbed down together and how you kind of thought that maybe would come with signature events elevating, but there's way more of these events than there are signature events. And honestly, I think like what, what he's talking about here is what like the quote PGA tour as we know it becomes um, whenever this global tour thing actually does happen, but whatever that is happens on top of like a bunch of events that are like this. And it's very clear that these events are like this and the Genesis is whatever you want to call them. And, and whatever those events end up being are the tour that sits on top of that. I think that would but make also, more sense. I don't know. It's just also weird because like the, the signature events aren't feeling differentiated either. No, there's no branding right differences. It's and that's yeah, and so it's like everything just feels watered down and juiceless. And I think it's one of those things where like venues matter. And you were talking earlier about uh, Chapultepec, like that place had energy and it totally. had totally legitimate fans. And like that's like you know nobody rides harder. The first yeah. team announcer changed the whole thing. He changed my whole and, life. And nobody rides harder for for national opens than I do. And like, like you can't just just say that this is a national open. Like, it, there's no there's no tie to to the Mexican national open here. It's just it's a bunch of fucking PGA Tour mules coming down, and and staging a tournament that that might as well be in the Quad Cities or in Myrtle Beach or any. And like, I think that's the other jarring thing too is there's just it's not like it's a tough golf course. It looks like a just a bad timeshare play from. And you, Dante mean, Vallarta. you do not mean tough as in challenging golf course. You mean like a no, tough, it's no. a tough scene. No, it's like a tough scene. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know. I got so many questions. I don't know. I still don't know why Sammy Valamaki had to take an unplayable while SH Kim got a free drop 
from that. Uh, I don't know. I'm just so like, the situation. Just, just like nothing yeah. feels like it means anything anymore. The situation you're referring to: the 18th hole, 72nd hole. Sammy Valmaki drives one. Looks like OB hits off the cart path, goes up under the fence, which is the property boundary, but is inbounds. There's sand right of the cart path, and he ends up having to take an unplayable from underneath this fence and drop it into the sand, which then he's going to be standing on the cart path, or maybe the sand the is sand an extension. Sand is a continuation. No, they of were the saying the path. sand is was a continuation of the cart path. But that doesn't make that sense. That didn't make to sense me. because you wouldn't be able to drop on the cart path. So either the rules official messed up letting him take the drop to begin with, or it was because his feet were on the cart path. But from what the guy said to him, he was telling. Sammy, that it was a continuation of the cart path. Like we're playing it this week, that this is a continuation of the cart path. Like that's so why that's wouldn't you've gotten a free drop from the fence? Then he would have been standing on the sandy area, which would be a continuation of the cart path. So he, he took a penalties, and, and in this situation earlier in the week, SH Cam hit it under the fence, said he was going to go around to the other side and pop it back uh, through the fence the other way, and they said, well, in that case, you get relief, which I didn't. I only saw the video clip that was posted, and I don't know any more context than that i i'm trying to get an answer on on the on the difference in the ruling of the two but i don't i don't know if we're gonna get and that. it's one of those things too where nbc's got this orlando pope guy <laughs> chiming in he doesn't really have anything to add balamaki's <laughs> not helpful uh, yeah and it's like can we at least get tony zerpoli from the, from the live <laughs> broadcast that's my guy tz <laughs> so I, I don't know it's just but it's just like joseph lamania had a great thing in the friday newsletter this week about there's like all these little signs and and symptoms of the tour not giving a fuck about their product for you know where like whether it's venues or setup or these little rule these ticky tag rules violations that do matter because people are gambling on the events and all the purses are so juiced at this point and at some point, it all just adds up to like, well, why the hell should I care? Like, why? Like, why is anybody invested in this? I don't know that people are. I think that ratings have been struggling in golf for quite some time, I, which is what we've been talking about. I do struggle with the rules stuff sometimes when you feel like the rules official is just like a member of like the player council. Like, you know, they're out there like almost like giving it's like a union like representative of, uh, <laughs> ruling. It's like, oh no, well you, you know. Like sharing the most, like, I, I know I want to get the right ruling and the guys there to provide the information, but I, I, you know, I don't really ever get upset when like, uh, you know, in the past when the rules official have been like, no, you can't do that. Like, that's just not how it works. Like, it's like a Morgan. In fact, I'm normally cheering at my TV when I'm like, you can't do that. Hell yeah. Like, yeah. It's like a Morgan and Morgan attorney that's there to like help them out of the situation. Like, <laughs> yes, you have to, like exactly. we will represent there, you in this case. You don't know the rules. any sort of loophole here. You don't know the laws, but I will help you get the relief you need out of this. All you got to do is say the right thing. Like just call. Just call. one call. That's help all. Me help you. <laughs> There's that one guy TC on all the Florida, uh, you know, the Florida highways. The Ron Scholes, I think his name. That's rolling up his sleeves. Yeah, uh, that guy it, always looks like a leashman. <laughs> he does. He's ready to go to work. Well, for did you. you guys know that Salino and Barnes broke up? Now it's just, it's like Salino and then Barnes has I don't something think else. We have that down here, Neil. We got one eight hundred four one one pain. Canner yeah. and Penaluga. We got oh, you guys Morgan also have uh, uh, no. Who are the Farron, uh, Farron. far and far far and far? Yeah, I think it's Farah as they pronounce on their commercials. It is not how they pronounce on their commercials. It's Farah and Farah. Trust me, they're all, here they're for you, everything. Solly. Here for good. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, guys, here's the deal. Like we're we're going to the Cognizant Classic in the Palm Beaches next week. And then we're going to the Puerto Rico Open and the API. Then we're going to Players, which I don't know what like I've been watching all these these dog shit players commercials that spew out the most generic 
stuff about the strongest field in golf. Ain't that anymore. All the, you know, this is our home and all this, this just mumbo jumbo and generic jargon. And I'm like, like there's, there's just nothing holding this thing together anymore. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's really not good. It's really quite unfortunate. Um, TC, there's a new Grupo Salinas commercial on the bright side. What did you, uh, <laughs> that's the only thing I think TC added to the agenda was new Grupo Salinas. No, I Salinas. added a few things, but the Grupo Salinas commercial, it's Benjamin, Benjamin. Ben Hameen. What's his, what's his brother's name? Uh, I think it was uh, Ricardo. Ricardo. Think, yeah. Well, I thought Ricardo was the, the dad. Are they brothers? Okay. It doesn't have quite the same, you know, joie de vivre flair as the old one. It's talking about you know, uh, athletic development and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I think Grupo Salinas needs to put their foot down and bring this thing back to uh, Chapultepec. I mean, they're always a favorite in the prestige worldwide rankings. Uh, just off the the press release about Grupo Salinas, Grupo Salinas is a, a group of dynamic, rapidly growing, and technologically advanced companies focused on creating economic value through market innovation and the development of goods and services that enhance the quality of life, social value, to build social capabilities that contribute to improving community <laughs> conditions. That is one sentence. That is sick. I don't know. Don't know what any of that means, but but I like it. Like they could be laundering money. They could. They, there's all sorts of things. And I think they dropped out of the the WGC one because they didn't want. They were trying to get out of the contract. So I think this is like, mm. you know. But anyway, I, you know what? Going back to the actual golf tournament, like there's some. So first of all, Steven Yeager. When did he pick up all this distance? That is a somewhat recent thing. I forget who I've seen posting about that on Twitter, but um, yeah, he has he has changed his his hitting profile just a little bit. It's crazy. Uh, CT Pan, I don't have anything to add there. Justin Lauer, yeah, uh, massive shout program. out. He's made all of his cuts this year. Uh, 66, 68, T three there for him. Best best finish of his career, TC. Yeah. Yeah, Big Bob McIntyre, T6. I know that that makes you happy, Solly. And then wanted to give a shout-out to Carson Young as well. He's, uh, you know, I'm, listen, I'm hoping for some churn from the, you know, top 50 year over year, right? It seems like there's, they're at, so Rob Ops, who's always a good good follow on Twitter, said there's, they're at 40% churn right now, but that's because, you know, part of that's because some of these guys have won that were way outside the top 50 heading into this year. And then also I think like 25 of 35 or the vast majority of the corn Ferry tour guys like aren't even getting the requisite starts to even climb into the top 70 or top 90. So mm -hmm. it's going to be really, really interesting because the tours the tours fuzzy math could get even fuzzier if the top players start playing better. And, and, you know, I, I tuned in Friday, Saturday and Sunday for most of if some coverage, most coverage Friday. And it's, it's nice to see a leaderboard of names that I don't recognize. Like I get excited about that, but then I I'm with UTC of like venues matter. Like I would love to see this breakout moment for, for nap uh, at a course with some that I have some context for with a crowd that cares, like not only do venues matter, but like the, the geography matters, you know, like if it's in Mexico, like, yeah, let's put it like Mexico city. You know, it's just this, I, I do think that the venue really, uh, was tough as far as just vibe goes. Uh, if this has happened in Mexico City, you know, five years ago, I think it's it's a lot more exciting and and uh, there's a lot more juice. So, 
We had uh, one more note. Um, he's uh, MV41 said, can we just reminisce about the time Phil and the Vedanta CEO were hugging uh, on the fairway in the middle of the playoff <laughs> instead of recapping this tournament? Which I think that was the Grupo Salinas C- uh, CEO. Uh, maybe that was exactly. Vedanta. I don't know what they all do here. TC, why don't you take us to, uh, to our uh, first sponsor of the night, second sponsor of the night, I should say. So many sponsors. Shout out, Brandel. And we'll thank our second sponsor of the night, and that is Holderness and Bourne. Uh, you guys, listen, I'm a Holderness and Bourne aficionado, as you know, as you've... You've seen me wearing their stuff for, gosh, since they their first collection came out, what, 2016, 2017? And we've been working with them as long as we've been working with anybody on the merchandise side. Uh, their new spring 2024 stuff just dropped uh, about a week and a half ago. They got 200-plus new styles, colors, largest ever collection drop for H&B, new pattern polos. They got sailboats, wine bottles, speedboats, pops of color, uh, the the headline colors for this season are Sunset, Thistle, Dorset, Regent, Oxford. Neil, I know you're all over these. Yeah, Oxford. Sometimes I don't know what the what when I when we do the orders for our pro shop, I'm like, well, I don't know what color this is based on the name. But that's why you got to go to their website and check it out because they're fantastic colors. Amen. Solly, what's your favorite H and B piece? Um, I, I mean, I obviously love their polos. Almost every video we've ever done, I'm probably wearing a, a Holderness polo of some kind, but this hoodie you got me, uh, really, really good with the skeleton, with the tie-dye logo on the sleeve here. I'm, I'm greatly, in, I, there's not a piece of Holderness material that I've ever worn that I haven't loved, including this performance pant, the Garvey traditional four pocket. Need to get my hands on one of those. Have not seen those. And Neil, you mentioned a website. That website is hbgolf.com. You can enter NLU10 for 10% off your order at hbgolf.com. That's Holderness and Born. NLU10 for 10% off your next order. <laughs> this next segment's brought to you by our, our overlords at the PGA Tour. Let's do a FedEx <laughs> Cup standings check-in here. <laughs> I believe, uh, TC, did you add this in? I did. No, no, did? I swear to God. Because I, I was Probably laughing before to go we down recording. FedEx Cup. I truly think this is the first time I've ever checked FedEx Cup standings like online you know other than them updating me on the broadcast many many times uh so this is actually a fun exercise and I, I i had a few things written down i can kick us off solly go ahead uh matthew pavon listen i know he won i know we were in australia but he's been balling out man he, I mean, just, you had him on 78th on your big board i know Pebble. i didn't think he, i didn't think he had so many top tens going on too man unbelievable i so i gotta apologize to mr pavon i was unfamiliar with his sustainable gain you know, I thought he was just kind of a, a you know, a one-hit wonder there. But, uh, yeah, he's number one in the projections right now. So, that that's that's crazy. I mean, this reinforces Scotty. Five starts, four top tens. Unbelievable. Uh, obviously, I'm going to mess up the name here. Byung Hun An. Uh, didn't realize that he was balling out. And he's just, seventh right now. He just called that? Ben On. He just goes by Ben On. That's pretty, that's a yeah, little easy. Ben On. Fair enough. So, that's that's exciting. Xander's doing Xander stuff, guys. Okay, five starts, five top what tens. What is Xander stuff, Neil? Five starts, five top tens. It hasn't sniffed the, you know, the podium. Like he's not going to win, but he's just always around, and it's it's kind of, uh, I, I don't know. If I if I was going to be making weekly picks, I might just pick him into top ten every week. Right? It's unbelievable. Just in case the people listening in their car don't have the FedEx Cup standings memorized, he skipped past Hideki Kirk and Wyndham Clark at three, four, five. Just, just for just for the listeners' sake, Neil. I know they sure. probably memorized. I was just, just I was giving sake. my highlights, yes. so I should probably should have let you, you know, go to if you. I, I was going to. I excited. wasn't just going to go. Everybody's down excited to talk FedEx Cup. Look, that happens this time of year. And the last one I want to point out is I really think my Jason Day Masters pick is looking pretty. He's playing good golf. He's currently nine. I think he's projected to be tenth. 
in the FedEx Cup standings. He's got three top tens this year. I keep seeing him pop up on the leaderboard. Uh, so that's all I got. You're skipping past JT Poston. Neil. You're right, I am. Well, I'm going to let you. You, you run down your highlights. I didn't want to go straight down the leaderboard. I don't think JT Poston gets even remotely enough credit for being like just maximizing the hell out of his talent and being one of the most consistent, just above average players out there. And it's, I don't know. I just, I have immense respect for his, his career, his accomplishments, his game. Uh, he rolls the rock so nice. I'm, I'm all about JT Poston. So it's and you know what? It's, it's funny to see some of these, some of these guys that have won, you know, like Jake Knapp won. He's, he's in the top 10, the FedEx cup. Like he, he, he didn't win a, a designated event or anything like that. He's he's winning. Like if you win tournaments, you're gonna be recognized for it. You're into the signature event. Was it that? But that's kind of part of your criticism, right? Of this that's, event. Yeah, that's kind of like, where I'm at. Is like this is you know these designated events were supposed to give us like an elevated you know sense of where the championship is happening, and these you know lower yeah. events were kind of to figure out status and things like that. And for all the no, complaining, no, no, all the complaining. No, the mules I'm not have talking done. to the fans. I'm talking to the mules. I know. I'm saying, hey, mules, if you I win. Know, that's what I'm saying. For all the mules uh, that did all this complaining, it's like, man, Jake Knapp made almost $1.5 bucks for beating that field at the Mexico Open this week and vaulted to the top 10 of the FedEx Cup. Like, listen, winning's hard and should get rewarded. And and this is not a final standing. It's it's still it's still February. There's a long ways to go. But it's just, it's not, not like early, early in the season. So, I don't know. I just thought that was noteworthy. Got a question from Collard Paul. What's the strength of field for this event? Hardly any notables on the leaderboard. Uh, the strength of field for this event this week was 181. Uh, the Asian Tour event in Oman was 89. The DP World Tour was 71. And again, for reference, again, 181 for the Mexico event. Genesis was 322. Phoenix, 324. Pebble, 344. Farmers, 320. Amex, 323. Sony, 284. Century, 283. So the weakest uh, by far on the PGA Tour this year. And again, an update. It's a change in kind of how this is, has been done as of last year of it uh, the field size of these signature events is really going to compress the points that are given away in these. So you can have Phoenix have slightly more points available than Genesis because Phoenix has a larger field, right? So the uh, the more you add, you know, add quote average players to a field, the more points that are added to be available to be won. So it's not like uh, as closed off of a of a of a points giveaway in the signature events uh, as it is the full field events, if that makes sense. I think we're going to get a few really bleak, like the, the, from what everybody's saying, Houston's going to be not a good field, which is disappointing. Cause as you guys know, that, that event's going to slap <laughs> Memorial park. Do you see uh, season predictions? <laughs> it, it's just such a bummer because you're coming off of what should be like the, like the, the height of golf of professional golf season kind of leading into, you know, the, the masters like Bay Hill players into masters, all that. And in an ideal world, you're coming off of a banger of a, uh, of a Genesis Riviera. And, and then all of a sudden you just get dumped off into like this, this Mexican resort town with no buzz whatsoever. And it's like, who, who comes up with this schedule? It's, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, at least it's a it's a better transition for like Cognizant slash Honda Classic slash Palm Beaches, right? I mean, that field looks a little bit better coming into this week instead of being sandwiched between the West Coast and the and the and the players in Bay Hill. But um, 
yeah, I don't know. I think we I think we've covered uh, our, our disdain for the Mexican Open. I want to get into some some of the fun news of the week, fun fun topics of the week. Which Rio Hisatun hits a soon I've I've failed every time I've tried to uh, say that name. Dior Bjorn Olsson and Joaquin Neiman given special exemptions into the Masters. Uh, this was noted on Masters.com that Neiman has five has top five finishes in each of his three DP World Tour starts this season, including winning the Australian Open in a playoff last December. Neiman's first Masters came in 2018 when he was the reigning Latin American amateur champion and the number one ranked amateur in the world. TC, is this uh, the, uh, the the Masters rejecting the corrupt OWGR and recognizing uh, Joaquin Neiman's ridiculous accomplishments on the Live Golf Tour? Uh, God, you're you're setting me up there, Sal. You're setting me up for the for the bots to 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 pick at my carcass. Uh, no, I think it's basically acknowledging a very good uh, Australian Open victory and Joaquin just generally playing good golf right now. So uh, Torbjorn, I think, was just outside the top top fifty and was probably going to play his way in, and then uh, hits it hits Sune. He's been playing great golf as well. So. I think I think Augusta like anything that's going to make the field better, uh, make the field stronger, more complete. I'm in favor of. So I think uh, I'm yeah I'm all for this one. What were the uh, justifications for Rio and Thorborn getting invited? So while Sally's pulling that up, it's uh, really said today's announcement represents the Masters tournament's continued commitment towards developing interest in the game of golf across the world. Look forward to welcoming each player to Augusta National this spring. Hitsasun, like they normally, they always give a. He was you know, he gives, was Hitsasun was the first Japanese player to be voted DP World Tours Rookie of the Year. Um, that's that was the the main uh, what what they led with for him, and then Olsen won in the UAE, uh, marking his third consecutive DP World Tour season with a victory in his five top tens in his last seven worldwide appearances. So. They, they've done this in a lot in the past with international players. That's always been a huge priority for them uh, for on a lot of for a lot of reasons. And Neiman being a past Latin American AM champ, as they mentioned, uh, being the best player from South America. I think it makes total sense for them to say, yes, you are exempt into this. Also gives them a little bit of cover to say, like, look, we're not excluding live players. We haven't excluded live players. It's just you got to. If you want to qualify through OWGR automatically, you're going to have to play in qualified events. Like the live events do not count for anything. That's basically what they've said through this announcement. And Neiman's done some stuff outside of that and has proven to be, you know, a quality player and they want him in the field. That's that's how it works with invitationals. So um, this doesn't really change anything. I The notes I saw that were, uh, that were saying that this is, you know, them thumbing their nose at the OWGR shows a gross misunderstanding of what the OWGR is which is Augusta. We will get into that, but uh, I don't think this changes a whole lot other than say like, this is great. I think this is a good thing. I think it's a very good thing. It does. Like you said, TC, it makes the masters field uh, better. And I I don't think there's going to be anyone on the outside looking in. That's like, man, this is not the same because blank is not there. Like, no, the masters is going to be incredible. And Joaquin's one of the few that we've said, like, man, I I miss watching that guy play. Like he, he's won at Riviera before he's won quality events uh, he said how how important all the majors are for him, and yeah, it's telling that Augusta not once did they acknowledge any of his success in live events. Yeah, in that. Well, I'd say it's yeah, and, and it's you know he's definitely put some effort into playing outside of of live. So it, I think it's a credit to Augusta for being kind of assertive, good stewards, just kind of having a finger on the pulse of like they're they're tr- they're making 
they always have a knack for making an effort. You know what I mean? And this to me is like the, the, the embodiment of that, of like they're paying attention. And sometimes you can't say that for some of the other golf, like governing bodies and, and uh, powers that be in golf. So I, I think this is awesome. Well, he's, he's also the product of one of these things of, of what you just said there about, I mean, they've they staged the Latin American AM for those that yeah. don't know, like that comes from Augusta national and that, you know, in the he, RNA right? and the RNA. Yeah. And so like Hideki is a winner of the Asia Pacific amateur and he's gone on, you know, to win the masters. Like I'm sure they'd love one day for Neiman to come along and, and win, uh, win the masters someday and kind of be a, a, an ambassador for that event that they've put on and their efforts to you know, to, to grow golf globally. It's, it's a very, it's a very real thing. So bottom line, I just want to see a lot of these live guys. If it pisses you off that you're not in the majors, go try to fucking qualify for the U S open and the British open. Totally. Like I'm so tired of these guys complaining and then, and then, then not even showing up to the qualifiers. It didn't fit a schedule. Co-sign that TC. Like that's kind of what I'm saying here is like, like, Neiman's done something about it, and and this is you know kind of a reward for that. Done something about it, and and gotten the results from from trying. You know, like flying to Australia, getting a dub. We like that, and a fifth at the Australian PGA on top of that as well. So on the other side of the coin here, can I uh, can I play an interview clip for you guys? Because uh, Bryson went on the uh, Fairway to Heaven podcast uh, with Jerry Foltz and Sue Ann, and uh, he had some thoughts uh, on the whole situation. I'm gonna I'm gonna play that for you here. I have words that I would love to say, but you can't <laughs> about it. They say, oh, they haven't done said one thing or the other. Not doing anything is is deciding. And that's frustrating. You know, they um, said you need certain requirements. We have fulfilled all those requirements despite what everybody thinks. If you go look at their handbook, we have fulfilled every single uh, criteria. It's been over two years now. What's going on, guys? Um, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's a bit frustrating, but nothing we can do at this moment is we uh, showcase ourselves in the major championships. There's no way they can keep us out. We just got to play one of the majors. I, and once we do yeah. that, they have well, no other choice. I say we, as though I'm a player, we did that last year. Um, I, I don't think the OWGR matters anymore. Honestly, I'm, I'm, the conversation, if they started giving live players points now, it would be, well, they're so far be behind, relevant. they'd never catch back up. Right. They're, they're just, they've. They've won that battle as a, as a bargaining chip. The PJ Tour has, and by the way, that. we and knew that everyone on our side knew that going into this. That is exa- exactly talk what about they were going to do. Exactly what they were going to do. Well, I'll talk yeah. about it. I mean, we all knew. We all knew that well, that was their that was their uh, leverage point. That's the right. leverage they had. It's the it's the majors. It's those associations that have the leverage, and they want golf to be a certain way. And you know what? Ultimately, they don't decide. It's the players right. that ultimately decide. Because if we all stopped playing, we all said, nah, we're good. We don't need to play. What do you think would happen then? Yeah. Yeah. The, and I think, too, they, the fans suffer from all that, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, again, very, the most important thing. It's right? the thing that I come <laughs> back to most. Yeah. I started off this, this uh, podcast. I said, the death to egos is what needs to occur on all sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if that can happen, I think that's um, that's a step in the right direction for the game of golf. That's fucking good stuff, man. What are we doing, guys? Dude, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing, guys? Death to egos. Fuck yeah, God, that's that that's that's good stuff. Leverage points. So so Bryson's talking about the OWGR and live players not getting OWGR points throughout that that uh, that rant. 
Correct. And I don't, I truly don't know where to start with this. It's like a, there's just an unhinged disconnection from reality. It's an alternate universe. Like he starts by saying, they say, oh, they haven't said one thing or another. Not saying anything is deciding. Bro, on October 10th of last year, the OWGR announced that Liv would not be getting points. They, they haven't not said one thing or another. They said it. Like, you're not getting points. Peter Dawson said, we're not at war with them. The decision not to make them eligible is not political. It is entirely technical. Liv players are are self-evidently good enough to be ranked. They're just not playing in a format where they can be ranked equitably with the other 24 tours and thousands of players trying to compete on them. And I don't know, again, I don't know what part is the most deranged, but the next part is, is, is more elevated. I would say it's like that they've met the criteria, despite what everybody thinks like they, of course, just of course have not met the criteria. You should need to average 75 players for tournament. They're not even trying there. You have to have scheduled 72 whole tournaments. You have to have qualifying criteria for these tours. And they try to technically sneak their way around this by giving away a few spots, but the majority of the spots are held down by guys that were handed contracts and did not qualify and you need to comply with all these for at least a year to be able to be considered. It's all been covered and documented many, 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 many times. Uh, Bryson saying this with Jerry Fultz and Sue Ann just nodding along does not change the fact that that's just straight up. That's just not true. It's just not how it works. Two things. I think, first of all, I watched that clip. Jerry Fultz's little man cave down there. I was going to say, Wait. PC, he's got, <laughs> he's got a nice, uh, nice podcast room there. Nice man cave. <laughs> He got the billiards table, got all sorts of darts. I mean, I, I want to go out, hang and, and, you know, drink some cold beers down there with, with Jerry. Second of all, like, I don't even disagree that the OWGR is somewhat irrelevant. And I felt like some of the changes that they made kind of cut it off from the world being like it. I think it made it so U.S. centric because I think even if we're having this conversation and live doesn't exist, I think we're looking at it and saying, all right, the tour's cutting off the legs of the DP World Tour or of all these other tours worldwide. Like we've talked about that over the last 18 months as they've made changes to strength of field and kind of the way that these points uh, ladder up. So I don't even disagree with some of the the things that Jerry's saying about, hey, like, I, you know, the, 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 the OWGR is irrelevant at this point, but the stuff that Bryson's using to, to go after it is also irrelevant. Well... I, I, I have to disagree with you there, TC, because it wouldn't be irrelevant if they, they wouldn't be talking about it if it was irrelevant, right? I think it all comes down to, for me, and I can forgive people for this confusion, it is not the official world golf rankings. And I know that's literally what it stands for, but again, that's not what it is. Like, it's not a ranking system of the best players, right? It, it's, it's, it's used, uh, you know, for a lot of, in a lot of media circles, it's used as, uh, you know, as that, but the 25th player is not better than the 50th player. That's just, that's not how it works. It's, it's a counting stat for if you've played in qualified on qualified tours and events for like how you earn points to qualify for the biggest events in golf, like the biggest events in golf are masters, us open, British open, PGA championship, PGA tour, DP world tour, international federation of PGA tours. Like that is who got together to come up with the yeah. system to say, Hey, if you, this whole world, if you want to play in these events, here's the kind of golf you have to play here. Are the tours, if you do that, apply, Maybe we'll give you points if you uh, if you meet all this criteria, right? Like that is what that is what has happened. It is not meant to rank the top players in the world. Of course, like Cam Smith falling out of the OWGR does not represent like his true level of play. But if he wanted to play in the qualifying system for all of these other tours, he wants to play in their events. You have to. This is the way to earn points. It is through the system. That is exactly how it is. So it is it is relevant to exactly what these guys want, which is to play 
in these big events. Like, I, I again, I, I understand why that's confusing for a lot of people, but that is what these these rankings are. That's why I was laughing at the Masters thumbing their nose at the OWGR. Like, the Masters is the OWGR. Totally. That's them printing this out and saying, hey, if you want to automatically qualify to play in our event, this is exactly how you do it. And 24 tours are complying with this in one. But it's event. also worth noting it, that that's not, it's, it is the main way or like the, I guess the standard way of qualifying, the automatic way of qualifying, excuse me, but it's not the only way to qualify. Correct. Like you can go to local for each of these events. There's other ways to qualify. Bryson's qualified for the, you know, for the masters based on his U S open win. Right. Correct. So some of that's just, I get a little, just stick of the sour grapes of, of, Hey man, you went and, and you were disruptive and yes, you haven't gotten your OWGR points yet that you were promised by, you know, live and, and Greg Norman, but like, you know, why don't you just fuck off for a while, right? Like <laughs> that's what happens when you go join a startup, you know, you don't fucking get, you don't get into the enterprise immediately. Okay. You gotta, you gotta grind a little bit. All I'm saying is that, yes, Sally, I hear what you're saying. The, the, the OWGR is relevant because the majors say that the OWGR is relevant. They, that's right? what they came up with. Yes. Yes, exactly. But I, and what I'm saying is I think it is, yeah, I don't think it's a good reflection of how to, uh, measure who the best players in the world are totally as qualifying for this stuff. Totally agree. So. Totally agree. It is a separate thing. I wish the name would change to clarify that. Like I wish it was called uh, BDE qualification system. TC, I think well, that, that would be a different, that would be a different scale <laughs> a different with all scale. sorts of different inputs. <laughs> I don't help explain this next part to me. Ultimately they don't decide it's the players that decide. Cause if we all stop playing, what do you think would happen then? Who truly, who is we here? Yeah. Well, you first off, you wouldn't get paid by live, right? Like I I don't think they gave Bryson all his money up front. Or is he saying the they as far as the, the majors? Like if we stop playing in the majors, like yeah, who is they? I, I who is we? Who I have no they? idea. Of course, they're just nodding along with them there. Like, yeah, yeah. But I yeah. feel like this is going back to what I talked about two, three, four weeks ago, where is there some sort of player empowerment thing coming against the majors, whether it's PGA tour guys or live guys saying, Hey, we want a much, much, much larger piece of the pie that you guys are bringing in on your, you know, USGA TV contract and your master's TV contract and all that. Yeah. I don't think like the live players are in the position to bargain for that at the moment. They're the ones begging for entries into these tournaments right now. I think the PGA tour players are much better positioned to have that. And I think that, I'm sure there's something that's going to change along those fronts in, in the years to come. But I, I just, is Bryson DeChambeau going to lead a coup amongst all tours and all players to not go play in, in the Masters? Like, are they just going to not not show up because because the Live Golf Tour did not get their OWGR points? Is that what he's threatening here, right? Like, can we, can we laugh at how absurd that is for a second? Yeah. That is the wildest shit. Uh, until he says uh, the death to egos is what needs to occur here, uh, unironically, because that was the that was just the cherry on top of all of it. What are we doing, guys? Bryson rules. <laughs> this is an incredible lean. interview, man. It's just like I don't know how we're doing this two years in. Uh, how was the rest of it? I uh, listen, guys. I did not tune into the Stairway to Heaven podcast. I, I was I Fairway was to Heaven. Fairway Fairway to heaven. To, sorry, sorry. Fairway to Heaven podcast. I haven't. I haven't caught the uh, the rest. I might have to. I might have to dig into the rest of it because that that is a true highlight that leaves me wanting more. Anthony Kim set to return at Live Jetta, as has been rumored uh, the last couple of weeks. This moving the needle for uh, for Live Golf. I'm good on the I'm good on the Anthony Kim stuff. I mean, I'll I'll check the results, right? But you know, or 
maybe I'll be curious to see how he does. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just shocked. Uh, I'm more curious about him, like, and where his golf game's at. And, like, even though he's set to return, we haven't heard from him. It's all still feels kind of rumory to me. So it's like until he comes out and maybe does an interview or something, uh, that's that's honestly more interesting to me than than probably seeing him play. I think it's been it it would be tough for him to live up to the uh, to the hype of after being gone for so long. But we'll you know we'll see. Maybe maybe he comes out and lights it lights the world on fire. I think that's the thing. There's no more there's no more aura if you just come out and lay an egg and you know finish. T37 and four live events in a row and just show that you're another guy, right? But you do get paid. That's the key part of that. The last time that Anthony Kim was good, I, I believe it was like 2010. I know he technically played through 2012. That's so long ago. I just pulled this up. Here's the here's the top, I don't know. I don't know how many names you want me to name. Here's the top players in the world as of Jan 1, 2010. Tiger Woods was number one, Phil number two, Stricker three, Westwood Furick, Podrick Harrington, Henrik Stenson, Paul Casey, Rory, Kenny Perry, Ian Poulter, Sergio Keimer, Jeff Ogilvie, Sean O'Hare, Stuart Sink, Ernie Els, Ross Fisher, Latif Goosen, Lucas Glover, Robert Allenby, Zach Johnson, Angel Cabrera, Camillo Vajegas, Anthony Kim. He was 25th in the world to start 2010. I mean, in 2010, Neil was Neil was the the starting free safety at Columbia University. That's true. I was. Yeah. That's wild, man. That's how long ago that was. Yeah, that would have been my junior year. So, I mean, yeah, there's a reason why we spent like most of like 2014, uh, like really yearning for an AK comeback. And that was because it was, you know, still felt possible. And now that golf has changed a whole heck of a lot. Of, it's a lot more of a bomb and gouge contest. And the guy has totally messed his, his multiple body parts up and hasn't played professional golf in 12 years. I'd be stunned if it worked, if it went great. I am very curious to see how it goes, but I, again, we just got done talking about like getting OWGR points for the live tour. And like, now we're welcoming back a dude that hasn't touched a club professionally in 12 years. And he just goes straight to the tour. It's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point, Sally. Like tough. that's, you know, we're, we are kind of approaching our Jake Paul situation. You know what I mean? Of like, <laughs> and again, I know people will throw in like sponsors exemption on the PGA tour past champion status. All this is like, look, there's not. I don't know how many live spots there are now. It was 48. I think it's like 54 now. There's not a closed 54 on that, right? There are 144, 156 person events that are trying to fill the bottom of these events that fill out the, the status through past champions. That's very different than getting one of 54 coveted spots to play for $20 million every week. It is different. It's also it's also very interesting that they've kept this holstered until the Jetta event, which is probably going to be the most juiceless which Jeddah, sorry king, king abdullah, king abdullah e economic city which is going to be the most juiceless you know overnight like there's no fans out there right it's not like anybody's turning up there like there's 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 live events with plenty of fans right like the yeah. adelaide one or um you know i'm sure some of the ones like the, the one in uh the uk probably but but man it's just you know it, it feels like a ploy to give people a reason to watch what'll be the worst event on their calendar. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm actually curious about, uh, uh, will he wear Nike? You know, will he, uh, like, does that contract still exist? You know, stuff like that. That's kind of where I'm, my head goes is like, there. I have some curiosity about this, but it's less about his golf game and his, and the result and more just like hearing from him personally is, is what if he like, wears Sunday red? Sorry, I, excuse, excuse me. Sunday red. red. I definitely have some curiosity about it, but 
it's it's uh, it feels like a poor job of uh, marketing. You know, it's almost like you have to roll this out like it would be a boxing match. Is where this is powerful, and it's almost like being done. Like you, you don't really know what's true and what's not. So maybe uh, in the next week, there's going to be a big, you know, PR blitz. But I, I don't know. Right now, it just feels uh, kind of stuck well, in the middle. Neil, on top of that, it's it's also being rolled out outside the bounds of their team events, yeah. where we've been told that that's the main thing that matters, and that's if anything, that's the thing that 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 kind of has mattered. That guys have seemed like seemingly gotten some juice from and gotten some some care from is like hey you know what i like being part of a team and we travel together and all that like i think there is something there with some of the live stuff on the team front and the fact that they're just doing this is a little sideshow over to the side to basically say all right like you know here's this guy that hasn't played for 14 or 15 years that we're that we're basically nur- like nursing back to health here but within the context of our event and he's going to make guaranteed $150,000 if he finishes in last place is, is crazy. Yeah. Last bit on the live front. Um, uh, John Rom did an interview with Marty Smith from ESPN. I believe only the first part is out at this point. It's about a five minute interview. I'm just going to play uh, one short clip from that. There's a fair amount to react to from within that, but I'm just going to play one short clip of that. Possibility for us growing up. PGA tour was the pinnacle of golf, right? This is a new change. A big change, and I, I don't want to skip through this point because there's no point. A big change on the way the, the golfers get compensated. I'll be lying if I said it wasn't a big part of it. In a nutshell, I'm getting paid more to play the same sport and have more time. My reaction to listening to him explain his reasons for going to live golf, um, extremely soulless, of course, of saying uh, he value, essentially values money above all things, above his competitive golf career, but... You know, at least he didn't try to sell me on the Live Golf product. I actually appreciated that part. Like, he just is truly excuse-making and explaining away his decision to go and not even trying to convince us that Live Golf is worth watching or is worth your time in any way. It's just like they offered me a lot more money to play less golf. Uh, why? That, that's, that's, that's the sum of it right there. It's just like, ah, that part's refreshing to hear. What a bleak bleak spot that we're in that it's refreshing <laughs> to hear that one of the best players of his generation is just calling his fate a spade and, and saying that you know what i'm getting paid less or more more money to play less golf bravo congrats to you like god what a what a what a shit sandwich we're eating right now yeah i i, I mean one thing that jumped out to me from the interview was in in seeing some of the the promo stuff for full swing is just how all these guys now talk about how the majors are all that matters. And Rom having that same, you know, saying that within that interview of like, well, yeah, once, once I won Augusta, that changed everything. Cause now I know I can play the masters for life. And, you know, you can just tell like, and, and it's, and it's interesting to hear some of the guys on the tour say that. And if I'm like, God, if I'm running the tour, I'm like, God, that's a, that's a tough thing to hear on, on, or, 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 or if you're investing billions of dollars into the tour. Yeah, I know. Well. And so, like I I agree with them. So in some some ways you're like, all right, yeah, I get you know, John, I get it, man. But it doesn't We've look been like saying very, that for years. He doesn't look super <laughs> joyful uh during that interview. Um also Los Butchers' logo is just hor- horrid. Just the pink and I don't know. Legion fifty seven. I don't know what, what like it's just bad, dude. Like, come on. At least bring the noise on the logo. 
There's an interesting comment um, from uh, at home Josh. He said, I find myself rooting against live golfers and majors. To be honest, it's it's because I just don't want them to have their cake and eat it too. But after hearing Rom, I almost feel like a PGA star winning just gives them that free pass to go to live. If Finau or Zalatoris win, are they gone? I hadn't really thought of it through that lens of like, you know, if you are, I, I personally don't find myself rooting against live players and majors. I think it's, it's interesting. It's God, like, I found myself up off my couch when Phil totally T two last year, I was riding for Phil. Like I, I can't help it. You know, But if you are a diehard, you know, if you feel opposite of that, like all of a sudden are you, you know, that's a new element of majors as well. Of if somebody yeah. wins wondering if that just means that they're going to jump ship. It's uh, I real honestly hadn't thought of that until, until yeah. he sent that over. So. It, it, like, it's just amazing to me thinking out loud of the fact that a lot of the PGA tour guys have come off as so unlikable and PGA tour leadership has done such a poor job that we're back to this place of like, you know, everybody seemingly, gets a, f- a fair shake, right? Of, hey, the guys that like left for the money, you know what? Like props to them for leaving for the money. <laughs> it's right? gotten up to that point. <laughs> well, if you, honestly, if you do this or or kind of how Dustin Johnson's been about it, right? Like I, I'm with you. So I have a lot more respect for just like, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Hit me, like pour the cold water on me. Tell me it's it's cold, hard, rational cash. And that's why you left it. And then you hear the versus, Bryson versus interview. Versus the G-Max. And, and, yeah. and you're like, yes, guys. Like you said, he's a total loon. You know, so, ah, oh, man, it's just interesting. I, I truly wonder how Rumpf, like, feels coming off of that Vegas event of, like, I mean, just, it's just a, you know, it's a weird amalgamation of guys over there. A lot of personalities. I, I wonder how that's, because uh, he is a hyper-competitive guy, and it's just, like, you, you just went and started playing in, in kind of the, in some ways, like a, it's not a flag football league. That's not right, but it almost feels a little bit more like the all-star game versus, like, the NBA season is maybe where I'm going with that. The like, all-star game was tough. Yeah, that's what I mean, you know, but you can tell it's just like, yeah, maybe a lot easier to go through the motions when you know you're guaranteed the money. So that has to that has to have some type of subconscious uh, impact on on somebody like Rom. Not all those guys, but somebody like Rom, I feel like it does. But then but then again, then they say like, well, four times a year, I am going to I'm gearing up for these majors. So maybe that's all they need to keep uh, you know, kind of keep the flame going. To be already rich and to sell out everything you stand for just for more money has to be so unfulfilling. I, I don't, I understand how much money it is. I really do. But that cannot feel good. Like it cannot feel good at the end of the day. It, that's that's the part that gets me is like, there. It, it's one thing to go from totally broke and sell out for a shitload of money, but like to be already rich and sell out for that kind of money and like clearly be, have that weighing on you already is just like, it's that much more frustrating, man. I, I cannot imagine he feels like fulfilled from this. I'd love and, to hear oh, what's early. Smith we'll see. I mean, he seems he live. seems pretty convinced it's coming back together too. So, you know, maybe he's privy to stuff that that we don't know about. Um, I don't know. I, I give. That I might say, be a while. I just. I, I, yeah. I had. I don't know. If it was twenty six at the earliest, right? At this point, I mean, it's. Yeah. Maybe thirty at the earliest. I know. I mean, there's just there's nothing going on. There's no there's nobody home. On either side, I know. it's crazy. God, Carson asked me a couple days ago. She's like, "What? What's going on with this?" You know, and I, and I was kind of like, "Honestly, I don't really know. Nothing's really <laughs> happening." <laughs> like, I think they're they're maybe trying to announce something before the Masters, but I wouldn't hold my breath for that. And it, it, you know, yeah, like some of these billionaires said that they're like hyped up to find some synergies and <laughs> pour some money into, you know, it's like a 
their version of a sailboat, sports sailboat. You know, <laughs> the only fucking hobby. We don't talk about this enough somehow. How fucking stupid all of June 6th looks now. It, like just a few months later. I mean, the whole thing was no more poaching players. Well, they got the like oh one of the God, biggest ones they possibly could. Uh, the whole thing was like live just kind of folds up and goes away according to this piece of paper. Uh, well, obviously that didn't end up happening. Like the, it, it got on TV. Jake stands up and says, uh, take a competitor off the board, raising all How kinds of stupid anti- does Jay look it like every, every single of one of these things is an L in the J column. It is such a massive ridiculous. Like what was the rush to get out in front of everyone to announce this worthless piece of paper that had no chance of standing up to any kind of scrutiny. Like, and here we are trying to react to it in real time. Like I, I couldn't get through my head that these people hadn't thought this through at, at, to this level, right? The, the, that I, if, I was like, all right, if you're going to go on TV, if you're going to have this signed piece of paper, this has to be the true intent of what's going on. And it clearly has they just, not they just straight up didn't want depositions. That's all that they, they didn't want to like the, the Saudis didn't want to open their books and didn't want to go under oath. And the tour didn't want to have discovery either. That's all that was about. It's insane. And we just sit here. His golf fans just totally and completely fucked. Anyway, and, and then you know Ed Ed Hurley, <laughs> this, he's back to back to doing deals. He's he, he just he just put together the Capital One Discover deal this week. The Mexico you know? Open podcast <laughs> presented by Grupo Salinas. Share well, prosperity, listen, baby. If you're this far in, uh, I think the next ad read is going to be for you. I really, oh really my if you're God. enjoying this, this next one is for you. Well, TC was talking about getting hazard pay for having to be on the pod this week. So maybe this will <laughs> help us fulfill that, which is uh, this podcast is also presented to you by the Nest No Laying Ups community of avid golfers. That's right. This is a house ad. Uh, quick update. Last week, we released an exclusive behind-the-scenes video of Strapped Louisiana. And we also just released the February Nest Pod where Cody and I interviewed Nest member Pete Kuhig, the CEO and part owner of League One Football Club, Wickham, the Wickham Wanders. Uh, all Nest exclusive content can now be found on nolayingup.com under the content menu labeled the Nest uh, on the homepage. Um, so easy to, to listen to the podcast and watch all the exclusive video. Um, and we'll, we'll be releasing a lot more Nest exclusive video, uh, at least one a month throughout 2024, including behind the scenes footage from Taurus Sauce season nine. Uh, those episodes premiere in April and some directors cut commentary on old Taurus Sauce seasons. So if that's of interest, uh, you should check out the Nest. Nest members help us maintain our independence as a media company and keep our ad load. To three minutes per ninety minutes of con three minutes per ninety minutes of content, guys. I thought, wait, wait, we're supposed to be independent. Where, where are all these checks from the tour coming from? Then? <laughs> well, uh, it's ninety bucks annual uh, for the for the Nest membership, and you can sign up and learn more at nolayingup.com forward slash join. That's nolayingup.com forward slash join. That, guys, that was some all really depressing golf news. Let's get into some really uplifting stuff. Uh, Charlie Woods shot an 86 in the Cognizant pre-qualifier. His uh, tee shot on the fifth hole went sailing out of bounds, and several fans went rummaging for it uh, as a souvenir. Uh, a lot of the fans were ignoring requests from tournament officials to stay off the fairways. Uh, a disgruntled fan asked one official, who are you, the fire marshal? Uh, and as Charlie's uh, following increased to more than 50 fans as he headed for the back nine, including one grandmother who learned that he was competing and pulled her granddaughter out of school in the hope of Woods noticing her. 
Uh, and after Woods left the 12th green, another fan approached him with a pen and a copy of Tiger's book, How I Play Golf, uh, demanding Charlie sign the book. When an official told the fan it wasn't allowed, she made a commotion of shushes and yells, including I live here as Woods teed off on 13. That is from uh, Emily Smar at the Palm Beach Post for the on the ground reporting. Good stuff. Which is good stuff, what, everybody. Support your local newspapers, folks. Okay. God, that's that's disgusting. So that that of all the things really? tonight, I wasn't in a bad <laughs> mood, but that put me in a bad mood. That and and how I play golf, that's a heavy ass hardcover book. I have it that is. book. Walking around the golf course with that, like go back to your shanties, people. This is it's disgusting. Or or in this case in Palm Beach, go go back to your large gated community. Sure. Uh I mean, tough, you know, and tough for Charlie Woods. I, hey, man, respect to him for 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 playing, even though he shot eighty six. Uh, but that sucks, man. That that really sucks. I I hate uh, pretty much all of all of that summary. Yeah, I mean, the PGA Tour was uh, promoting this on its on their official account uh, as he was arriving for the pre qualifier, which you know, of course, started the whole discourse online of who's posting this should it be posted, all this stuff. It just. I don't know, man. I'm kind of torn on it. Like Charlie seems to kind of welcome a lot of this stuff, but he's also 15. And does he know what he's doing when it comes to this? And I, I'm certainly apprehensive about his, uh, his potential as a, as a golfer, but it seems like he wants to pursue this. So I, I give him credit for going and signing up and, and like, it's good experience and you learn kind of the hard way, how, how it goes when the ball's offline. And when you got to sign a card and you got to play with a lot better competition, like that's kind of part of the deal when it comes to, to what I assume he wants out of a pro golf career. But um, yeah, he obviously was not quite ready for the moment. That's not the problem. I don't have a problem with him shooting 86, like yeah. a 15 year old playing a pre, all. pre Q. Like that's going to happen, dude. Like that's it. But this just, just kind of, this is why like, we this can't what you're going nice to deal things. with. This is what you're going to deal with. And that really sucks. And, uh, yeah, yeah the and, whole thing and, and some of the people, some of the people commenting in on Twitter and decrying all this are also some of the people that are part of the problem yeah. too. It's kind of like that, you know, like we're all looking for the person who did this and like they're wearing the fucking hot dogs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some of the same people are talking out of both sides of their mouth here. Yeah. So, so anyways, anything else you wanted to add on uh, random tour bits, TC, before we moved on? Yeah. I just saw the Genesis ratings. They weren't good. Like they what were it, really bad, right? They, the Sunday rating was, they had 3.245 million people. That seems like. That seems good to me. I don't know what it, the comparable was, but that's the best they've had on a Sunday by far so far this year. Waste management was like two point four. Uh, wasn't it versus last year or like 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 year over year? It was down like crazy. I think it, I think so, but there can be a is lot of noise in year to year. Um, Ty, I don't know, remember how Tiger shook that. Didn't he withdraw? I don't remember if he played on Sunday or not, but there could have been anticipation that he was going to play. It, it, there's a lot of noise in year to year stuff. I think it, uh, the early week stuff was definitely bleak. The Thursday rating was like 450,000 people watching it on Thursday. Um, I don't know how 25 years into this, uh, we still haven't figured out how to get Tiger Woods to play golf on TV. Like that's pretty, uh, pretty, it's pretty just unlucky really. I mean, you know, any, it's just <laughs> unavoidable, uh, thing here in, in 25 plus years, uh, to get figured out. But, um, and he had, he had withdrawn when he was getting ready to be in the window, uh, on Friday. Yeah. But Sally, what you don't understand is these 19 archaic, rules and regulations that the PGA tour was founded upon that we, we could never, ever change or, you know, figure out a workaround for totally, okay? totally. So, uh, and then last thing I had was just the, the Saudi Arabia vision 2030. There was a big 
article in the Wall Street Journal this week uh, about the you know mega projects uh, like Neom and things of that nature, kind of draining their their cash flow. They're getting ready to, uh, I think, do another uh, offering of a bunch of Aramco uh, equity as well as starting to borrow money too to kind of replenish the the uh, coffers. So, and part of the big reason that they've you know that PIF has such access to such money is because of the dividends from the Aramco shares. So they're kind of, you know, raising short-term cash to uh, kind of, they're going to cut off some of those dividends in the future to themselves. So I don't know, it's just very, very interesting as far as, you know, they're, they're, they're doing all the live stuff. They're spending what, $500 million on Neom. They're, they're buying up a bunch of jets to start their own national airline and kind of go after, you know, Emirates and uh, Etihad and all that. And it's like, all this is happening in the context of, you know, at some point is there going to be, they're, they're essentially halfway through this vision 2030. At some point is there going to be the appetite for these pet projects like, like live golf. Right. On, on that note, uh, I also see you have a note in here that you want to compliment the clique social team. So, uh, I don't know if that is tied if those two things are tied to each other or not with Please, TC, what would you like to compliment? <laughs> I do. This is got guys, this I got such a kick out of <laughs> this uh this post this week. Uh they were con- they were congratulating Richard Bland, my guy Blandy, Dick Bland <laughs> on top 14 finishes in six of his last seven events. It was just they put a whole graphic together and they found this picture of Bland that makes it look like like he's at least 70 years old. I mean, it's <laughs> He looks absolutely ragged, and it's it just God. I I I was howling when I saw this. Just, it's blandemonium. So, yeah, yeah. I just want to. I just like I I genuinely get such a kick out of following each of these teams and their their little you know social uh, brand identities. It's very funny. <laughs> Uh, the magical Kenya Open, another uh, another national open, as DC would, would call it. Uh, Darius Van Driel won, uh, won, of course, the magical um, the magical Kenya Open, and uh, Ronald Rugumayo became the first player from Uganda to make the cut at a DP World Tour event. It was a very it was an awesome moment. He had like a ten foot curling putt on Friday, uh, out way outside the hole, uh, curled and then made the putt. They posted all the, the video from his club, uh, in Uganda, watching, watching it live. And, uh, it was, a, a, a highly celebrated moment. That was a very cool moment to see. Yeah, that was, that was great. There was, uh, we had both of the Elvira brothers in the top four there, as well as, uh, there was a nice story in the BBC about a guy named Joe Dean finished, uh, T2. Uh, yeah, T2. And basically, he had qualified for the DP World Tour, but didn't compete uh, for a few events because he just straight up couldn't afford to travel to the Middle East and other places. So this was the first event. So he was basically delivering groceries for Morrison's grocery store back in the UK and, you know, makes this check. And I I, I would assume this both sets up his, his season as far as uh, – you know, eligibility status and priority ranking as well as gives him the the funds he needs to, you know, uh, keep going. It's just a matter of like, it's crazy to me that a guy that's on what's ostensibly the second best, you know, like, or as of three or four years ago was the second best tour in the world has status out there and can't afford to, uh, 
travel to the events to go play and use that status. Mm. That blows my mind. When you think about just professional golf at large. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Ortiz won the international series in Oman. Uh, a few of the live guys traveled there, um, to Hoover up some OWGR points there. Louis Ustazen finished second. Neiman finished third. Mito Pereira fourth. Peter Uline sixth. Matt Wolf finished in T seven. David Puig finished 10th. Um, and for some reason, people online were declaring this as the live statement of, uh, of their prowess in, in non live events, which if I was them, I would probably just point to the majors last year. That probably makes a lot more sense than uh, an Oman event that I think had two players inside the top 300 in the world that were not live guys. But um, that at least seeing some guys travel around to get some uh, to, to get some OWGR points is is you know putting their money where their mouth is uh, in some way. That said, it did have a stronger strength of field than the the magical Kenya, which it's worth pointing out. So how this is done now is it's not a circular thing that comes with the world, with the, uh, ranking their OWGR ranking. It comes from their strokes gain. So all of these live guys going to there, that is what's giving it a higher, um, field rating, higher points rating. Okay. And that's not, if that makes sense that it's not getting discounted because they've fallen in the rankings, right? It takes a strokes gain rating, which is their actual results in measured events. It doesn't age that. I don't know the exact formula, but basically it would say like Dustin Johnson, what do we want to call him? Probably the 30th best golfer in the world from a just golf standpoint right now. And if maybe he's 80th in the rankings, and again, I'm just pulling it. I have no idea what the actual numbers are. That's probably not right, but it would basically pull from that 30th of what your actual golf school score is instead of your corrupt golf ranking. If that all makes sense. Does it in some roundabout way? Yes. <laughs> but it, it just, yeah. Like I just, again, like we can't have nice things. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all set on that. What are we doing guys? What are we doing guys? <laughs> Uh, Patty Tabataniket wins in Thailand. She wins back to back after winning in Saudi last week. Very emotional, uh, after holding a putt on the final green. Uh, she was of course the winner of the 2021. Do I have that right? Uh, now Chevron championship was the ANA, uh, back when it was in, uh, in Palm Springs major champion that fell on some pretty hard times very quickly after that and has fallen off the radar. Um, pretty hard. She's bounced back prior to this, but this is a pretty, uh, pretty strong statement in terms of uh, her return or p potential ascension back towards the top of the game. Amen. And then Bron that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Bronte Law won on the uh, on a similar path. Bronte doesn't quite have the the, the full resume that, and uh, ceiling maybe that Patty T had, but solid player, Solheim Cup player that had had really lost her game. She uh, she won on the LET uh, this past week. Maria Fossey had a four shot lead going into the final round, ended up losing by four, unfortunately. Yeah, Bronte shot sixty four. Maria shot seventy six. Wow. So good for good for Bronte Law. Happy for her there. Coming up this week, we have the Cognizant Classic, formerly known as the Honda. They got a little better field this week. Ricky playing, Rory playing this week. Uh, it's got a slightly better spot on the calendar, as we talked about earlier. Luke Donald's going to be in the booth a little bit for this coming week, TC's boy. Um, so it's good to, good to I, I, I don't know. I have some good memories watching this event. I think it's a back nine Sunday watch, right? It's not a fun Thursday, Friday. I want to see this whole golf course. There's some really screwy holes and not my favorite course, but come down the stretch on the final. It, it usually delivers a really good finish, especially that AT yeah. hole does. So I'm, uh, I, I usually enjoy at least watching that part of it. Not and, a big dick of it. I'm happy. Uh, 
like they're changing up with Luke Donald, like giving uh, Kisner kind of a, you know, putting him in the cooler for a little bit. I thought he did. I thought Kisner did a great job, but it's nice to get, let's see what if kind of freshening it up every month or so is, is kind of the ticket for NBC before they, you know, pick a, pick one guy. I, I think this is great. Like kind of doing the uh, dress rehearsal live is, is uh, I'm, I'm co- like good stuff. NBC. Yep. I like this. Yep. Or if they, or I think in, in true NBC fashion, if they do find the right guy and that guy asks for more money, they're just not going to pay him. And then they'll just go to the next guy down the list. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're kind of covering it from both sides, right? Sure. Oh, what an industry. Uh, we have the match on Monday night. If you're listening to this, it probably already is Monday. Um, the highlight, of course, DJ Khaled will be serving as the cart commentator, uh, driving around and providing analysis, which um, I know, Niels, that's got you excited about that. But this will be at the park. The, the best. Uh, down in West Palm. Um, it is Rory. It is Lexi Thompson. It is Rose Zhang. Who's the fourth? I can't. Why can't I? Max. Is it Ricky? Max. Max. Yeah, of course. Uh, and bro. it's a skins game, so it's not a partner competition. Um, I'm a little, I'm excited to see the park, um, yeah, pictures I've seen awesome. of that place looks awesome. So that'll be fun. But I just feel like the match is having an identity crisis, man. When they, when they flip the format up like that, I know this is probably not for me, you know, but I, 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 there's no through line anymore. And I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, and I'm a little worried about the banter, like Lexi and I, you know, Rose is kind of a, an unknown as far as like because they're going to want to try to draw the personality out of them all. Like, I, I don't know this one. Like I'm, I'm really happy that LPGA players are involved, but the, the independent skins game, I don't know if that's going to bring the, the, the banter out right. More than like a team game would if you played a team game. So I, I'm not sure about the format is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I'm, I'm keen to see how this one goes. I think the DJ Khaled thing has me very, 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 very concerned. <laughs> uh, Christina Kim being involved. There's just, it's like, hey guys, like you got Rory, Max, Lexi, and Rose involved at, at a really, really cool looking golf course on a Monday night when nothing else is going on. Like, this better be good, right? Let's yeah. not, let's not, let's not we'll overcomplicate see. it. We'll, we'll, of course, debrief on it next week. I have open mind. We'll definitely watch it. And uh, I, I, I don't know what to expect, but, uh, you know, I I think at least this is like all right, very clearly not serious golf, right? I think some of the some of the identity crisis has been kind of a foot in, in two camps, kind of trying to be somewhat serious, kind of somewhat bantery, and um, I don't really know what the question is. Like usually, there's a fair question. Like I I was super intrigued by Steph Curry, Peyton Manning, Phil, Charles Barkley. Of like, you know, if you pair Phil with Charles Barkley, can he? Uh, that was interesting to me. Whereas uh, I don't really know what the question that they're answering is with this one, but. Uh, that's also doesn't. I thought it was need to be important. like I thought it was gonna be more interesting. I thought it was legitimately just like Max and Rose versus Rory and and Lexi. Yeah, but like I thought that's what it that's was. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like the right? team, the fact that they're moving away from the team game is like, what are we? Why are we doing that? Why are we trying to change the format? Like there should be some type of through line with these. I feel like good news here, TC. I'm assuming you put this in here that uh, Angel Cabrera is a, in the field on a sponsor's exemption in the Argentina Open this week. Yeah, not. I mean, I didn't put it in there as good news. <laughs> I just put it in there as news or as noteworthy. Uh, again, we're just tracking the National Opens because that's what we do here. The Argentina Open, the Visa Argentina Open, it's a Corn Ferry Tour event. Uh, Angel Cabrera is in the field, so uh, more to come there. And I'm, I assume he'll be in the field for the Masters this year as well. Assuming he can get back into the country. Yeah. Last part, um, 
Neil doesn't want any spoilers on that, so we're going to skip past this next one. TC had uh, a, a little bit of updates on our personal golf games, but TC has an update for us uh, from this past week. Yeah, I, I played golf with John Miniam, uh, JDM year in review. Hell yeah. Neil, who, uh, he, stat he, sends, master. he sends his regards. Uh, I got him his first first free round of the year as well. You'll be you'll be glad to know. Hell yeah, Pontevedra and club. So if you're unfamiliar, uh, this is the guy that sends us annually sends out his uh, his golf <laughs> year, the, in review. year in review. Yeah, and Neil Neil went over it on the pod a couple weeks ago, um, and TC got to play with him last week. So his game is so nice. Like he hits this kind of like really 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 consistent cut, and he's a delightful guy. He said he's he's gotten dozens if not hundreds of invites <laughs> since you talked about it on the pod oh yeah so, uh, he can plan so, out yeah, his schedule now he can play he can yeah. play the events he wants to play that's what that's exactly what we're he's he, he's playing the he's playing the signature uh schedule so john you're welcome down here in ponte vidra jack's beach area Any, anything stick out did he lose any balls i know it was he was his lost balls were up 15 percent year over year yeah which was which kind of blew me away because they were up 15% and he didn't lose that many balls, uh, you know, full year. So yeah, he lost the ball on, uh, I think he actually lost two balls, mm. lost the ball on three. And then he lost one OB as well. And was he just, so, was he just keeping stats on a card? Yeah. So I was kind of asking him about his process and stuff. He does stats on a card and then, and then he writes down some stuff along the way. He takes a few pictures and then, um, his putter, like he's he's got this old school. I think it's a ping putter. It's he's so nice with it on the greens. His chipping and putting is just like surgical. He's got just it's like this dead old putter. Any any he, he he makes everything inside of twelve feet. It's, I love it's it. Really cool. So and I couldn't tell if you were being serious on our Slack, Neil. You uh, we're the uh, Ben was sending along updates from the, uh, from the Gasparilla, which I played in this past week. And you said you wanted nothing. You didn't want to hear him. You, you want to wait for the film room to come out. I didn't see any updates. Uh, okay. I, I know that you had a tough first day, uh, but that's all I know. So, so I, do you I'm want gonna, to be dismissed yeah, like, for this section. Yeah. I'd like to opt okay. out. I think that that's, that makes sense. I, I, I want, I'm going to watch and commentate on the, on the footage. And I, I, you don't want to know any spoilers. Yeah. I should see it for the first time. All right, well, we'll we'll dismiss you with that. And for anyone that would like to, there'll be no other golf talk after this. If you uh, want to opt out and uh, and wait for the film room to come out from uh, my experience, the 2024 Gasparilla, you have the option uh, of doing that here. But we will be spoiling that result from here on going forward. So with that, I'll bid you adieu for the evening, Neil. And thank you very much for uh, the, the hazard pay. You'll, you'll be getting your hazard pay for the Mexico <laughs> Open recap. Gentlemen, it's, it's always good being with you. Thanks for all that you do for the game, guys. Thank I'll you, Mr. Neil. All right, TC, we got a debrief on this. Uh, it didn't go great. Solly, before we get into it, there's been a couple of haters in the Instagram comments getting on you for taking a sponsor exemption or getting an exemption, getting a special invite to this, not having to go through qualifying. What do you say to those guys? Uh, I would say to them, um, first of all, it's, it's a mid-am event. This is not a PGA Tour event. It's an <laughs> invitational. Uh, you can invite whoever they want. Um, this was, uh, listen, it's kind of a, uh, a, it's, it's a, I don't know, what, what's the, what's the phrase? Like a, a snake eating itself at this point. It was, I got invited to this play in this tournament for the first time in 2020. Uh, we've since produced a lot of content around it. We've made a lot of YouTube videos around it. We've talked about it on the podcast every time their applications have gone up like multiple, multiple exponential since then. And, uh, so it gets a little bit more attention every time I do get an invite to this, I will say, 
I've had some pretty solid success in this event over the previous four years. I missed the cup by one my first time. Uh, got in contention the second time, was in like in the top five halfway through the tournament and ended up finishing like in the mid-T30s. Uh, missed it by three my next year, but I hit four balls OB. That was actually the best I've ever played in this tournament. I was very competitive, and then I made the cut last year. So uh, I've done pretty well over four years, and uh, it's been a really, really awesome, supportive community. All the people that – the very real mid-end players that play in this, I kind of thought would have that attitude, honestly, being there of, you know, just kind of – looking at me like, what, what the hell is this guy doing here? I, this is like probably the one tournament I play every year. Um, it's really, really hard to, you know, to dial your game up when you don't have any tournament reps, but the support has been ridiculously strong from so many people. And it has been so welcoming to that. I say like, yeah, I mean, you're probably not really fully grasping the whole vibe, mid am vibe if you're if you're mad at me for taking up a spot in this tournament. So uh, good. I'm glad that was the, that was what I was hoping to hear. I think, you know, the haters can get lost. So right? I've gotten invites to events that I do not belong in. I'm, I've got one coming up for this summer and I'm going to say no. Like there's events that like I, I can't be competitive in. This one I can be. Like if things go go right for me, I can be competitive in it. And if I can't be, I'm not going to take, take the invite. Like I'm just not going to. The name of the event might, might shock people that I got the invite to it. I'm not going to take. But um, I. so what happened this year I would have thought if it was going to happen, I would have thought it would have been year one. It was a total and complete freak out, a total and complete shitting of the bed. It was, uh, I, I, I had tons of practice coming in. My health is totally fine. There's no excuses. I was playing really, really good golf, uh, before the week started. And I 1 million percent put a ton of expectations on myself and let like a few squirrely shots in the practice round kind of stick in my head and I just played tournament golf the total totally wrong way you should like total abandoned my feels pictured every way every shot could go wrong um no routine no real process just like stood over putts so jittery so nervous and just was totally not myself and I shot 81 in the first round on a very relatively benign day pins were really tough but the wind was not even there I knew that was the day to get it because we were forecasted for 20 mile an hour sustained winds and 35 mile an hour gusts the next day. I knew it was going to get biblical the next day. And I just totally psyched myself out, man. The footage is horrific. I mean, it's embarrassing. Like it, there are some <laughs> God, I'm excited to watch really tough moments. I mean, wedges going out of bounds. Uh, I missed like a 15 inch putt on the second hole. Like I, I Jeez. went to go tap one in and like, on, on day one or day, day one two? second hole of the tournament okay. i mean it was okay. like 45 degrees and i just didn't want to mark it and i was again there's like say it out loud it's the dumbest possible thing i rushed it and i don't even know if i hit the hole it was so just yippy uh the greens were over 13 and started to get baked out and i just i totally self-combusted i mean i would have a 15 foot birdie putt and i would three putt it and it was just embarrassing battle day two. I beat the field average, which I was really proud of, uh, for how bad I still putted on day two. I scrambled my ass off and had some, had some solid moments and fought all the way to the end, but, um, missed the cut by six or seven shots. First time I've been uncompetitive in this event. And, um, again, same exact, I was really just, you know, at, at, we w walk in afterward, after the round, I'm thinking that people are going to, you know, Think differently or whatnot everyone couldn't have been nicer everyone that's been there the dude that won the tournament three years ago shot two shots higher than i did on day one i mean it it, it can totally happen on that golf course i said this like when you play palmacia and you're on it is like you have blinders on and it is go time man you don't even see shit 
And when you lose your orientation, it looks like the hardest golf course in the world. I felt like not literally dizzy, but like golf dizzy out there. I just saw everything that could go wrong. And um, the be- the frustrating part, TC, is like I know how to like approach golf mentally and I still did everything wrong. Like that's the really frustrating yeah. part is I know all the things you're not supposed to do and I did all of them and I'm – I don't know. I'm walking away from this one pretty frustrated. Some of the scores, I mean, the second day it looked like like you played, like you said, you beat the field average. Like the field average was very high. The conditions looked extremely tough the second day. Oh, it was so hard. I mean, yeah. the pin, I mean, the greens just got so baked out. And 35 mile an hour winds when the fairways are 20 yards wide are really, really difficult. And uh I just I just couldn't make three foot putts. I mean, it just was and we're not talking like, oh, you just got robbed by tough greens there. I mean, really bad strokes that I was not doing leading up into this. But it was just a, I don't know how to simulate that tournament feel without playing way more tournaments. And I don't, I'm not afforded that ability. Um, and so it, where do we go from here? I don't know, man. I, I'm going to keep trying. I mean, I know like I, I want to work with someone uh, on the mental side. I, I want to like. I want to re get in touch with how to approach tournament play. Like this, what happened this week was like straight up performance anxiety. Like it was how, how did I get into it? Like work on eliminating a left miss and get over balls and just like shove balls. Right. Because I didn't trust it. Like, what's the point of that? Like what I was just not taking the right visualization approach to my shots and let so many it's out. Like instead of, instead of playing for success, you're, you're playing away from failure. Totally. And I, I, this is the first time we've ever filmed any content. And like, I had the walls start caving in on like, Oh shit, I got to relive all of this. Like, Oh my God, this is going so poorly. Like, and just knowing the mountain that was ahead with the wind coming. And I just panicked, man. It was the most, uh, uh, I don't know. I I don't want to say the most embarrassing golf I've ever played on camera because the reality is like, this does happen to, you know, to almost anyone that plays tournament golf at some point. And I just don't, get enough reps to, you know, to, to, I don't know. It, it was, it was really frustrating at the same time. It's just like, dude, that last scorecard I signed, I think was this event a year ago. And, uh, I just need to find a way to get into one or two day events if I can between then just to get some sort of rep and some sort of feel in there. But, um, pretty disappointed feeling the pressure too. Ben came and filmed it. Yeah. The, he and his wife had a child like six, seven weeks ago. This is his first trip away from his kid. And I'm like, this dude's got to watch me play shitty golf the whole time I'm out here. Like that was way in on the worst too. feeling in the world. Oh, it was when the somebody's worst. Out there filming you. <laughs> Especially when it's a good player. But I mean, again, it was like an 20 minutes after the round. I probably had forgotten about it just because it, it was such a great hang watching dudes try to get the ball in the 18th in the hole in the 18th hole, which was really, really difficult. And people are just buying drinks and hanging out. It's the most wild wildly fun mid-am event you could imagine like hundreds if not thousands of people come out to watch the golf on the weekend to watch it wrap up and the whole membership so invested in hosting this tournament and they have ropes up they have volunteers it's just like shane bacon played in it for the first time this year he was just like blown away by the whole thing and he was he was really glad he made a trip he missed the cup by one he lipped out a birdie on the final hole playing in the harder wave too i was uh i was bummed for him but um Gosh, dude, it's just, it's so fun. It makes me want to do it more often. I know it's unrealistic. It works so great in my schedule just because this time of year is is decent to do. It's not major season and, uh, you know, it's actually peak kind of peak golf season for me down here. But, man, I was uh, shot a bunch of rounds under par to start the year and just kind of thought I'd never been more ready for this one. That's the That's the really frustrating part. I've never walked into that tournament feeling better and I've never left feeling more embarrassed, so what's uh what's your plan for mid-am stuff 
I haven't looked at all that stuff. I know that came out um, this year. I, I may need to run it back at that disaster of a course that you caddied for me at, at oh, uh, in Ponte Vedra for the U.S. Open. I like. I never want to see that place again, much less. The pro again. This is just like the reality of how all this stuff works for us. Is like the the Jacksonville Mid Am one is the Monday that we have an event in Denver. Um, so we'll be missing that one. So that means we got to travel for that one, which is always tougher. Uh, I love San Jose, the course that the mid-am is at, uh, qualifier is at this year, but I won't be able to play in that. So, uh, it's just tough. It's tough, especially with, uh, with a young one at home to justify the nights away required for practice round and yeah. all the things that go into these things. But, um, it's competitive golf is, you know, as somebody that's doing it from, like this opposite side, like so much of the mid-am golf scene is guys that are former pros or former college players that are kind of falling back into, you know, this competitive level, like trying to get up to their level um, without having that com same competitive. They've golf got background. it in the tank. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a challenge, but I really enjoy that challenge. Like it, I've gotten so much out of that and I've had some really good moments that I don't want to give up just, just because I had a bad result this week because um, it's golf. Golf truly is not about how bad your bad is. It's about how good your good is. And I, I know my good is good. I just gotta, gotta not get in my own way, man. Cause, uh, I really do like the feel I got going and, um, I just, just ran out of holes. TC <laughs> just, just ran out of holes. <laughs> it sounded like you need a 54 hole event. Uh, yeah, it or is a 54 hole cut. I was gonna say, yeah, it is a 54 hole event. Um, but yeah, it was, just the reality of it. But thank you to, to everyone that was kind and supportive and uh, and sent notes of uh, of condolences for the high scores and uh, and for everyone that, you know, around the club and whatnot that supports the event. And um, yeah, it's we're going to we're going to we're going we're gonna to try again as long as they'll have me. So sweet. Well, you know what? Congrats on putting yourself out there. Thank you. Thank you. It uh, you know, it's it's still a lot of fun. I enjoy that. I definitely the challenge is the best part. So uh, without any further I got nothing else. If you're ready to call it for Mexico open week. Yeah, yes, we are. <laughs> Should have a fun interview. Again, again, gracias to uh Grupo Salinas. See, for their support of, course, of this event. Of course. And the shared prosperity to you and yours tonight, TC. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll be back here next week. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything.